For the last 22 years, I've been rocking stages, playing in clubs, and having a lot of fun as a DJ and turntablist, and I've seen and learned a lot. Now it's time for me to share that knowledge by answering the questions that can help you become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLM, and this is Share the Knowledge. Hey guys, what's going on? It's your boy DJ TLM, and you're checking out Share the Knowledge, the podcast episode 33. Right now, you're listening to the podcast either on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Anchor, or maybe you're checking out one of the questions um, on YouTube. And right now, I also have people tuning in from the live stream on Facebook. So if you want to see me record this podcast, you can tune into Facebook on Mondays and um, watch me record and ask me questions live. Last week during the podcast, I have Facebook live stream on and I received so many questions that I probably already have more than enough topics for today's episode, but still Facebook live is right here and I've already received a couple of new questions and I see questions that I'm definitely putting in the podcast. So episode 33, my educational podcast for DJs and sometimes producers. So let's get it started. Like I said, I want to talk a little bit about personal brand. Now, I'm not an expert when it comes to this. I'm still figuring stuff out as well. As a DJ from a former era, things have definitely changed. And this is also one of my main things for the channel, my YouTube channel this year. I want to educate DJs. So I try to share my experience. I feel that's very important. But I also realized that the way I came up as a DJ is not the same way as it is now. So I do want to share the fundamentals, and it's always good to tell your experience, and you can learn from my experience, but certain things are different. When I came up, you didn't have a lot of different options, so the only way to get out there, to get your name out there, was to get material out there. You would make mixes, you would go to clubs, network, and part of that still exists, but you might have noticed also that it also turns into a popularity contest. Sometimes it looks looks more like a fashion show than a, a DJ show. And these things do play a role. And artists and DJs realize nowadays, at least for the last couple of years, more and more that they are a brand and they have to treat themselves as a brand to, uh, to make it out there. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I had to learn that myself too because you have to see yourself as a brand But, um, yeah, things do change, and I want to make sure that I stay up to date when it comes to offering you guys the best information. So in this year, I'll be talking to a lot of DJs who came up in the last, let's say, four years because that's the new era for sure. That's totally different than DJs that started 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So just to see, not just to get their take, on today's music scene, DJ scene. I mean, that's cool too. But more importantly, to hear their story, their journey, to see what it actually took for them. And maybe that'll give you some insight into uh, how to start your career or even continue your career. Because I've been doing this for 25 plus years. That does not mean that I can't learn new things that might give my DJ career a boost. Certain things have to be approached in a different way. Now, it's all up to you, the person, to decide what you feel is right for you. It also depends on what you what you have as a goal when it comes to being a DJ. If you're just content with playing at home, then you're good. You don't need any of this information. You can just get a set, 
start playing at home and you're good. If you want to start playing in clubs, that's going to take something more. If you want to start to tour the world, that's going to take a whole different approach. And I'll be trying to find out as much as I can for you. And you'll find that information on YouTube. And um, anytime I can do an interview or just get a couple of words out of someone, I'll try to put that in a format so I can share it with you guys. So um, one of the questions I saw is my feelings about DJs today getting booked based on their followers, social media status, as opposed to their actual talent. I've heard way too many DJs playing prominent clubs and venues that have no business up there based on their talent level. That question is from Will, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. When I started out, the DJ was definitely booked for his skills. I'm not saying just for skills, because networking, knowing the right people, has always been a factor, and it always will be, but... It was definitely a fact that you would go to a certain party to hear that DJ because that DJ played in a certain way. I remember that if I saw a flyer and, for instance, I saw my man Edson on the flyer, I knew for a fact, like, yo, that's going to be dope because Edson always had the dope blends. He would mix records together that no other DJ was mixing together, and he would make longer blends and... You knew what you were getting. Or if I saw some of the other DJs out there, if I saw Chainsaw, I knew exactly what I was going to get. He was going to wreck some turntables, do crazy tricks. So you knew what you could get. Nowadays, that is different. It's different here, and I believe it's different in most places. And a lot of times, it is not based on the DJ's talent. That's a fact. Sometimes painful to say it, especially when you get new DJs that want advice. The last thing I want to tell someone who's just getting into the DJ game is, well, look, your talent doesn't matter. I still believe it does because even if you have the followers on social media, um, you might have the same amount of followers as someone else. But if you both have a lot of followers and you have more skills, I still feel you have one up on the other DJ. But how do I feel about bookings being based on followers and social media? We have to realize that most things are being treated as a business and club owners or party promoters, they're thinking about the numbers. Same way that the first thing they like to cut on when it comes to saving money is the DJ, which is a horrible thing because the party is based around the music. The DJ plays the music, but a lot of times you see that when they have to cut corners, the first thing they want to do is save money when it comes to booking DJs. I've seen my gigs go down just because of that, because people didn't want to pay what I was asking, and I wasn't asking like crazy amounts, but they were getting DJs for ridiculously low amounts, and they didn't care. That cost less, so that was better for them. Uh, I'll share a ridiculous story in a minute that comes to this. Uh, I was I got this info through Instagram. Um, that was totally new for me, but that takes this to an entirely new level. But... Um, we see the same thing here, and I think everywhere, with artists. Artists that are getting popular through social media and then get their start in music. And sometimes those people aren't even artists that were doing music stuff, but they have such a large following on YouTube or Instagram or wherever that if they even hint that they would maybe make some music, 
record labels are just waving money at them like come do it here because they see the followers in their eyes followers means more attention more people we can make more money um it's hard right now i think it's a transition phase where at a certain point like companies and maybe club promoters and 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 uh, owners will start to look at it a little bit differently that is not just followers but it also depends on the quality of the interaction are people really paying attention to what's happening are they really followers or were they just clicking for one viral video and you know but it's just part of the process now so if you're a DJ or you're a beginning DJ, yes, it is a good idea to also build a social media following. Not just because they look at it, but because you can build an actual fan base online like that. We had to go out, I had to go and give people mixtapes, sell mixtapes. My mixtapes were being sold in stores. That's how word got around. And that worked. It's a different way of doing it. But if you had the hottest mixtape, you were probably going to get more bookings as well. So it's a different thing. The mixtape, of course, is based on the music that you put on it and your skills. But still, you had to push to get your name out there. Now people use social media to get their name out there. The only reason a lot of, pe a lot of people around the world know me is because I have a YouTube channel and they watch my YouTube channel. They discovered one of my tutorials, they clicked on the channel, and now they know me. They wouldn't have known me if it was just for my skills and my mixes on SoundCloud. That's just a fact. So, yeah, I, I, can, I can totally see that it might be hard to watch sometimes when you see DJs, DJs, quote-unquote DJs, playing these big events and when you hear them you can tell obviously that they're not good DJs same thing with a lot of the celebrity DJs that they're not good DJs this is just a side hustle they know they have the following so they can get booked for anything they want to um yeah that's the thing what up Marciano um that's the thing man um so it's just part of the process now it is so even if I hated it which I don't because I see the benefits of social media, but even if I hated it, I still would have to deal with it because that's the way it is right now. And one more piece of advice, I think it's uh, it's relevant. I would try to keep it legit. I do see people that see that followers are important to some people, to some brands, and you can see that they got fake, fake followers, and that's just... It makes no sense to me because brands will get smarter and they will see through that. So don't waste money on that. I think, I believe. I mean, I've seen people that I know and I see them on Instagram and they have like, let's say, six, seven times more followers than I do. I don't have a lot of followers on Instagram, but it's an okay amount. It's growing. But like six, seven times the followers on Instagram and when they post the picture, they don't even get half the likes or comments that I get. That's a little bit suspect, and brands are getting smarter, and when they see that you have a lot of followers but one comment, they're going to realize something's up with that. So that's just a little side note. But yeah, it's going to be part of what we're talking about today, building your brand. Part of that definitely involves social media. Now, I pay less attention to the amount of followers that you have when you start to do anything online, but just start to build. And again, it could be a great way to build a fan base. So even though people might look at it as a popularity contest, if it allows you to connect with people 
that are into the music that you play and you can build a fan base like that or through social media, they discover your music. That's a great thing. So we can look at the negative side of it, but it's better to take the positives and use it to your advantage. So while we're on the subject of brands and followers and how people are getting booked through that, uh, I also received a question from Eli, and the question is, the best way to approach companies for sponsorship or branding ambassadors? And this also has something to do with that same thing we were just talking about, because nowadays that plays a more important part when it comes to sponsorship as well. Back in the days, you would have to explain to a brand what you were doing. You would have to make sure they knew exactly uh, in what ways you were visible, and that would be through shows. Maybe you did something on TV or radio, and that would be your way to show a brand how you could be of value to them. Now, social media plays a part there, too. That's why you see a lot of people on Instagram, for instance, that have like a couple of hundred thousand followers that are getting paid nice amounts of money just to have some product in a video or in a in a photo. And uh, same thing for some of these YouTubers, these big YouTubers. They're getting like a bunch of money thrown at them just to have something, a product in their video. Now, one thing to keep in mind when it comes to sponsorship when you approach a brand, whatever brand it is, you have to realize, I know you want to approach that brand because you want something from that brand. That could be financial, uh, that could be product, but whatever the case may be, when you approach that brand, your mindset must be, I'm going to show you and tell you in what ways I can be valuable to you. So you as the DJ or producer, you have to convince the brand how you can be of value to that brand. I've had people reach out to me that are bedroom DJs or had done two gigs asking me how they could get sponsorship from like one of these big DJ brands. Like that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. You're of no value to that brand right now. So you're more valuable, especially nowadays, if you have a following and a lot of that will be online. So of course, if you're playing five shows a week or you're touring all over the world with a certain artist, for me, that was always the way that I could approach brands. And in my case, it was always the DJ brands. I would just tell them like, Hey, this is who I am. I'm a DJ. I've been playing that long. Keep that list very short because what you've done in the past is not as important. But then I would tell them I had like, uh, I don't know, like four, monthly residencies and I was doing all these separate gigs and besides that I was touring and still am I was touring with brain power and I could mostly tell him like okay I got 40 shows with him lined up for the next couple of months we're going here and there we're doing these events like big tv uh, events where you have like hundreds of thousands or millions of people watching so with that story I can explain to the brand like this is how I can make your equipment in this case visible I'm touring all over. I'm doing X amount of shows. I have a TV thing with MTV. Now I'm doing radio, but I have a webcam there so they can see me, blah, blah, blah. That's my angle, and it's me telling you how I can be of value to you. I can showcase all of your stuff here and there and there. And then I would let them know what I'm looking for is this or that. But it starts with convincing them that you are valuable. If you just come straight out the box telling them like, hey, I want your brand new mixer. Yeah, cool. Who wouldn't? 
but that's not going to convince them. So that needs to be your angle. All right, I have a question from Dwayne. And the question is, I recently lost a residency because the owner feels I don't bring a crowd, even though they depend on the overflow crowd from next door. How do you move forward and build your brand and crowd? Well, it's always hard to lose a residency. I mean, residencies are great as a DJ, knowing that you have that steady gig, but anything can happen uh, that can make you lose a residency. So in this case, it's a pretty uh, messed up story. I've also lost residencies just because um, change of owners or a club had to close. Um, anything can happen. So when it comes to moving forward, you just have to move on. You don't have any option. It's, it's too bad. Maybe you really like that gig. It's not there anymore. Time to move on to the next. Now, first I want to hit on something. I've seen that a lot. They don't feel you bring in enough people. That's like the double standard that I see a lot. Most of the parties here are not being promoted uh, with the DJs that are playing there. That's like not the main angle anymore. That used to be, at least in my eyes, when I saw parties, they were heavily promoting like this is the DJ that's playing here or this DJ or these DJs. And some parties would go as far as to just put like 25 DJs on the flyer. And then in small letters, it would say on rotation, which just meant that a few of those DJs are there tonight. Few of those DJs are going to be there next week and so on and so on. But DJs were really used to push and bring a crowd. Now I see a lot of flyers where I don't even see the DJ on the flyer. It's all about the concept of the night. Of course, they do some promo later on where they let DJs promote that party, but it doesn't seem to have the same importance anymore. But on the other hand, you have them like demanding that you bring in a certain amount of people. To me, that's a little bit double. Like you're not putting that DJ up there on that pedestal, but you do want them to bring in that crowd. And that makes me think about a story that was told to me on Instagram, but also something I realized myself a couple of years ago when I was talking to some people that were actually organizing parties that they saw and even did it themselves. They were like getting these young DJs that would get hardly any money, but they would still only take them if they could guarantee that they would get at least 100 people to come into the club. They could put a lot on the guest list because they didn't really care about the entrance fee. They just wanted the people in there. So any DJ that could pull in the most people could get the gig. They wouldn't get paid a lot for the gig, but they could get the gig because they just wanted someone to pull in the people. Now, to me, that's still an idiotic idea. I became a DJ because I wanted to be a DJ. I wanted to play at parties. I wanted to play music. Uh, and if that's not my party, I'm not the party promoter. I'm not the one who's supposed to be pulling in all the people by actually promoting it to people. Now, of course, I'll put a flyer up. That's cool. But I'm not, you didn't hire me to promote. I'm not getting paid to do your extra promo to literally bring in people. Now, it got even crazier than that. That's the Instagram story. Um, uh, I think it's in the south of, uh, of the U.S. I think it was Arizona. But it seems to be like a normal thing there for a lot of party promoters, especially for festivals and college parties, but festivals and stuff that they're actually making DJs pay to get a slot to come play. So let me make sure I'm telling this right. The DJ has to pay the promoter to come play at that party. 
to me, that was mind-boggling. Of course, I've had it happen plenty of times back in the days where a promoter would come to me. They would want me to play at a party. And when it came to money, they didn't really have money, but they would put my name on the flyer. Now, if you're just starting out, that might even be appealing because you want to get your name out there, especially back in the days. A flyer was an important thing. At a certain point, you just laugh when people use that as a selling point. Like, we'll put you on the flyer. Like, I don't care. I can put myself on a flyer. That's not the thing. You need to pay me. But this takes it, like, in the total opposite direction. You're paying someone to allow you to come play. So you're not getting paid. You're paying them. And then the amount of time that you got was, like, ridiculously short. They would get, like, 15 minutes or something like that. Like, really short. And he even showed me a couple of flyers, like a flyer calling out veteran artists and DJs. We have limited slots available. And you were going to pay, like, 100 or 200 bucks, And you would get, like, a 10-minute slot and a couple of free tickets that you could sell. So you could still make some money. And that was their way of giving back to the DJ. To me, that was like, what? Oh, my God, what's going on? Now, look, I think they can do that because there's probably a lot of DJs out there that are actually taking that role. So same thing for you, Dwayne. There's probably other DJs that will come into that club and convince that owner that they're going to bring in a lot of people. And they might have a network of a lot of friends or people who are able to bring more people. And to a club, that's more valuable than having you there, even if you might be a better DJ. It sucks, but that's just it. So like I said earlier, that's just the thing. They're all about business. So they just want to make sure that they make money. Now, I understand if you have a club, you have a lot of bills to pay to keep that club open. I've seen people take over clubs, open up clubs who had like this mindset of it's all about the music and it's going to be great and I'm paying everyone uh, as much as I can and then they didn't take care of the business and they were out of business before they even got started but for us the artists it's still hard when you see that it is definitely not about you you come in last place when it comes to things like this but when it comes to building your brand online is where it's at man online is where it's at of course, you want to network, so you want to get out there. You want to go to those clubs, the clubs that you want to play at. You want to meet the DJs, meet the promoters, meet the owners. But you want to start building that fan base online as well. And um, online just made it easier to connect with people. So that's where you need to start. You need to start engaging with people. Now, if, you, if you're a DJ and you play a certain genre, you need to go out there and look for people that are into that genre. So you can use hashtags to find people on Instagram and you can respond to their posts. If they post something about an artist that you play, then you can leave a comment. And that comment shouldn't be like, hey, I'm a DJ. I play music you like. No, you should just really engage and like, yeah, man, I really love that song, too. That's a total banger. And I like this and this and that, whatever. Just contribute, actual contribute to that um, to that conversation and get your name out there. I've seen it too. I've seen people that comment on three or four of my videos. If I see that same little avatar two or three times, I remember it. And I even remember the name. I even had the same thing on Facebook. If I have people that tune into the live stream and I see them comment or leave a question like two or three times, you start to remember names. And you're like, hey, that's that person again. Now, in your case, hopefully people will also check out your page after they see you comment or they like your comment, like, hey, what's this guy about? And then they might check you out. Then they might start to follow you, check out your music online. Um, so that can really help. That's always a good thing. Now, 
when we are talking about that personal brand and also talking about building as a DJ, unfortunately, and I mean that, unfortunately, it's gone beyond just the online thing where it's about followers and uh, subscriptions, but production just does play like a major part, especially with certain genres, certain genres more than others. But for most DJs now, it starts to seem like the best way to get your name out there is actually to have music attached to your name. So just being someone who plays music by other artists and does that well and can rock a crowd, that's not enough to catch a lot of people's attention. They're more into hearing actual music. Now, I like making music, so it's not like I'm, I'm mad that I would have to make music, but I just feel that it's sad that you have to acquire a totally different skill to promote yourself in order to be able to play as a DJ in a club. When you're playing in a club, that's a totally different skill than making beats. Now, granted, club DJs do have that ear for what could work with a crowd, so you do have an advantage. If you play for people all the time, you know what it is that they like. You know what the current sound is that they feel. So it might be easier for you to have ideas of what types of music to make. But still, the fact that you have all these different things that could play an actual part in making you successful or not, yeah, to me it's still a sad thing, but you can't ponder. You can't just stop there. If that's what it is now, then that's what it is now. But next to engaging with people online, just making sure that you post content can be a good thing as well. This depends on what kind of DJ you are. But for instance, on Instagram, I follow a lot of DJs. And some of these DJs I just run into because they got reposted by, for instance, I like scratch videos. So they got reposted by one of these scratch channels. You have scratch channels on Instagram that just take the dopest scratch uh, videos they find and they repost them. That's how I discover a lot of DJs that I never heard of before. And I've seen DJs that were, for instance, just like local DJs. Or I'll use this example because I really like him. Um, that's a DJ from New York. The New York uh, uh, DJ Ace. What's his name on Instagram? DJ Ace, I think 87 or something, 78. I think he's a police officer from New York, but he's also a DJ and he always posts these scratch videos. And they're dope, just short videos of him scratching. And I saw more of these videos come by, being reposted and everything. And then a couple of weeks ago, I saw him on Hot 97 with Funkmaster Flex, where Funkmaster Flex has this special segment where he has a DJ come in to do like a five or six minute set. And he's had some of the big names in there, turntablists, doing their thing. And now I saw DJ Ace in there. Now, to my knowledge, DJ Ace was not a familiar DJ in the DJ scene. And I might be totally wrong. I'm not from New York. I don't know what happened there. But I just know that on Instagram, I saw his videos come by more and more often. And then you see some recognition from an actual radio station. So I see people gaining attention just by posting short videos. Or if you're into making beats, I see a lot of people that just sit there behind their desk with whatever they use to make music, and they're just banging out some new beats, posting those videos, getting a lot of attention. And that might take time, and you do need to deliver some quality. You can deliver a scratch video every day, but if you're not good, that's probably not going to catch the attention. But if you do deliver some good quality, either beats or scratches, or even just maybe a short mix where you add some of your own material, whatever it is, that could gain some attention as well. So there's, there's, there's ways to go about it. 
Um, but yeah, times change, and that's like I said in the beginning. That's why I want to talk to a lot of the newer DJs now to see what it is that actually got them to where they are. Is it just their network? Is it just because they knew the right people? Is it because they were just brilliant at marketing? Because I see a lot of guys, and especially girls, who just post the prettiest pictures on Instagram. I see no uh, posts where they're actually DJing, except for a few where you see a DJ set, but most of the things look like they're from the inside of a magazine, and they're getting booked. Now, they gain that attention in a totally different way than we would want to, but that worked for them. So it's 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 interesting for me to find out how some of these new DJs get it done. Is it the production? Is it the marketing? Is it the network? And um, yeah, I look forward to really diving into that so I can give you guys even more specific answers. But realize that in two years, this might be totally different again. Speaking about producers, I also received a question from Cass. And the question is, producers approach me to play their beats. How can I make it so it benefits us both? Uh, so I assume that you're talking about producers coming up to you when you play. So they want you to use their uh, music in your set. All right. You want to know if there's a way that it can benefit both. Let me just say this first. If you decide that you want to play their music, it should be simply for the fact that you like that music and you feel it would be good for your set. Don't go in there with the expectation of getting something back. That's not going to be the right approach. Or you really have to make it an arrangement in advance. So you would have to actually, before you even get to a club, just talk to those DJ or producers and let them know like, hey man, I can use your stuff in my set, but I'm going to need a production from you if you're looking for a producer, something like that. But um, look, if someone brings me a track and it's dope, then I just like the track and it's dope and then I might use it in a set. I don't see a scenario where a producer comes up to me and I'm like, okay, I'm only going to play his track if it's good for me. That's not the right way to approach it, in my opinion. I feel you should just give because you want to give. In this case, you give them attention, but you also do it because you like that track. And not, I'm going to give, now you need to give me back. A lot of times you're going to be disappointed because they won't give back. So that shouldn't even be your expectation. But even if you run into DJ producers, keep messing it up, producers, and you see that there's an advantage because they can do something for you, would you still play their track if you don't like it? Or it doesn't sound good just because it might benefit you because that producer can do something for you? I don't know. I, I wouldn't. So for me, it would really depend on do I like the track if I play it. But if I'm playing and someone will come up to me, could you play my track? I think there's a 99% chance that I'll say no because I want to be able to hear that track first. And not just for three seconds on a headphone. Just I want to hear that track first to know if I feel it would fit my set. Now, granted, if it's a well-known artist and they're giving you an exclusive because they just came from the studio and they walk in and they give you like, yo, this is my newest track. And you know that people already know that artist. Yeah, that it could be a cool thing because that's just dope. This brand new track. It's a well-known artist. Um, I don't see that happening to a DJ that's not already familiar, familiar with the producer, but... If that's not the scenario and people are just coming up to you, I don't know. 
do do it if you like the track. And if you do it, you might be able to still build a connection with that person, at least keep in contact. And, you know, something might still happen, but you don't want to have that expectation up front. That's just my belief. All right, I have a question here from Brian. I was told that I won't be able to get gigs to play because I'm too old, 47. And two, because I don't talk on the microphone. Uh, certain gigs I do that require miking, I usually bring an MC, and it always or usually turns out great. So what do you think a fair amount to pay the MC that only does that only? No setup and tear down, uh, uh, helping with none of that. Well, first off, I think it depends on what a going rate for an MC would be where you're at because I can't name a price for you because people here might charge a totally different amount than people there do. Um, look, I don't think you have to... Um, of course, he's not helping you set up. He's not helping you tear down. He's just there to MC. It's an MC. You hired him to MC. That's what he came to do. So he's not part of your crew or team. Um, so that's that. So yes, that's his only function. You need to find out what the normal rate would be for an MC. There's bound to be uh, uh, a certain rate. I, I assume that you're a mobile DJ if you're doing all the setup and tear down. Uh, within that scene, I don't know how regular it is within the mobile scene to have an MC, so I'm not sure about that. Um, but look, it, it, it first of all, it has to fit your budget. If you don't have room for that MC, I still would suggest that it's always a good thing to try and learn how to do it yourself. Maybe you're just introvert and you want nothing to do with a microphone. You love playing music, but you don't want to interact like that. Um, it is a great skill to have. Even if you're not the most skilled guy, just to be able to have the um, basic functions on lock, being able to at least address the crowd, maybe get a little interaction going, that's always a good thing. Um, for me, it came more naturally because I was DJing when I was young, but I was also rapping. So for me, holding a mic, or before that, even at home, pretending to hold a mic just felt like a normal thing. And uh, I got used to that pretty quick during DJ sets as well. First, of course, it feels a little bit different because the crowd is not always expecting someone to grab that mic. And when you do, like, all of a sudden, all eyes are on you. But it is a great skill to have just in case. Also, if something would happen to your equipment, if there's no MC and you have no way to tell the crowd what's going on, then they'll give you that weird, evil look like, what are you doing? If you have a mic, you can just let them know. Like, hey, we're experiencing some technical difficulties over here. Stuff's not working. We're waiting for this to be fixed, and we'll be right back. Y'all ready? Ah, whatever. You, you can get that little interaction going, and at least they know, like, hey, something happened to the equipment. The DJ can't play. Uh, stuff like that. So I would suggest you try it anyway, but you have to find out what the going rate for an MC is where you are at. There's no way for me to give you even an estimate. Um, but yeah, you you know how much you're getting for that gig. So if you're not getting paid a lot, you can't pay an MC a lot either. So you have to you have to figure that out. I can't give you an amount. So maybe you can let us know in the comment section where you're from and. Uh, I'm not sure if you're watching this week, Brian, if you're watching the Facebook live stream or if you watch the, the rerun. But let us know where you're from. And if anyone in the comment section has any extra info when it comes to that area, maybe you guys can connect and solve that. Never be uh, afraid to ask. All right. What's a good microphone? Uh, I have a question from Mike. 
and the question is, what's a good microphone to use for DJing? I would go with one of the just standard performing type mics, like something I have right here. So this is the V7 by SE Electronics. That's like something that a rapper would use or that I would use on stage as well. This is like a real stage mic, has, has a good sound for that. So something like this or the well-known Shure SM58, uh, that's also a mic you see everywhere. Those are mics that you can use on stage. They're well-built, they can be dropped from, uh, nah, I don't wanna say how high, but you can. Th they can be dropped and still work. They have good audio and they're dependable mics. So either that or V7 um, would be great picks to use. I had a question from Shannon, and the question is, what's your, uh, what's your perspective on today's rap tracks? I'm biased because I came up in the era of New Jack Swing and rap during that time. Yeah, same here. You had such a different flow of sounds, but today's tracks seem almost unmixable and real energy and borderline boring. I have to totally disagree, and I'll tell you exactly why. Because I know what you mean. Uh, the sound nowadays, to a degree is totally different and one of the most legendary producers djs but especially producers pete rock one of my all-time favorites um he's been doing the same thing that you did here but he's doing it all the time on his instagram especially talking a lot about how horrible all this new rap is and he's always talking about a specific genre within there the subgenre like mumble rap like really it's also terrible all the good music is gone blah 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 um that's just not true the fact is that most of the music that you're currently not really feeling or has that different flow that's getting a lot of the attention like really it's getting a lot of the attention that's true so it's more visible um a lot of times in clubs that is what people want to hear so in that way it is definitely all around but there's a lot of good stuff out there as well it just depends on where you're looking so even though i agree with what you're saying about certain tracks i can't just say that it's um today's rap tracks because like last year we just entered 2018 but if i look at 2017 and i look at my uh my playlist on 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 uh, spotify or whatever um there's so much dope stuff that came out in 2017 and of course i can name the the standard i can say kendrick lamar of course like one of the uh, standards of newer artists that is just good or great but if we're talking about rap tracks right now the Kendrick album, the Vic Mensa album, the Sahai the Prince album, Fabulous and uh, Jadakiss album, um, Joey Badass's latest album, um, what am I missing out on? Um, Rhapsody's album. Uh, there's a lot more that it's slipping my mind right now. I'm almost inclined to go check out my, my playlist, but there were so many albums that were just dope. Now, do they get the same amount of attention? A lot of them don't. Big Crit album. Oh, my God. Like, a lot of albums that had, like, quality, quality music on there. Great production, great lyricism, ill flows. Um, yeah. Like, I was really, really feeling a lot of that. Now, of course, that's not getting the same amount of attention, especially uh, uh, now. 
as if it's Migos or if it's Takashi Six Nine. Um, you know, it's 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 different than that. But even in those subgenres, I can find tracks that I can appreciate. But yes, the sound is different. The tempo is different, especially with a lot of the tracks you're referring to, uh, even though you didn't name artists. Uh, it is a different vibe, a different flow, but it is definitely what a lot of the new kids are really into. So the market is the market as far as that goes, because we can complain all we want about certain artists, but they get the most views and streams. So apparently a lot of people are really enjoying that. Look, I can even see it with my own son, man. I, I brought him up the right way, in my opinion, because when he was young, I let him hear like all the good stuff. And I'm not even talking rap. I'm talking he grew up as a baby listening to James Brown and stuff like that. And when he was a little bit older, he could hear all the classic hip-hop joints. But right now, if I let him hear some of the newer dope tracks, and he's going to probably say, um, it's cool. But I like this better. And when he says this, he's not even talking about those rappers. He looks at some of these YouTubers. You know, all these YouTubers now are making like rap tracks and diss tracks. Because he watches some of these vlog channels, he likes those vlog YouTubers better than some of these real lyricists and MCs. And, of course, he's 10. I mean, you know, but a lot of the crowd that, that listens to a lot of this stuff is young. Or are just club-minded. That's all they want to hear. They just want that dope beat and hear that auto-tune and they're good to go. Now, I can appreciate a lot of that sound in the club as well. So, in a club set, I appreciate it to the fullest. But I also know that, like I said, in my playlist, I have all that other stuff. So, it all depends on where you look. And that balance has been gone in hip-hop for a long time. Like the balance where you, back in the days, if you saw Yo! MTV Raps, at a certain point, you had that great balance where you had like, uh, for instance, an NWA track, like some gangster rap. Then you'd have the new tribe called Quest and De La Soul. And then you would have Luke come in with that Miami bass sound. You'd have all these different sounds and there was a certain balance. At a certain point, that shifted and once again... Things, the people at top only look at business, so the things that were easiest to sell, which of course is sex and violence, those got a lot more push. And all of a sudden you started to see less conscious rap and less other type of uh, alternative rap, and it all became more aimed towards uh, uh, the gangster stuff. Then we had the whole rise of Bad Boy and everything. Um, everyone had on the shiny suits, and all other artists started to do the same type of stuff. So um, that balance has been gone for a long time, and it still is. So we're lucky that we have artists like a Kendrick and a J. Cole that do offer that other, other side, and they do get like a lot of attention. So that's good. But like a lot of the other artists I just named that came out in 2017, they're not getting the same amount of attention as Lil Pump because Lil Pump has more followers on uh, Instagram, YouTube, and everywhere. Um, that's just what it is. But there's definitely good music if you're looking for it. So I'm not mad at it. I'm glad that music is still out there. I can enjoy that anytime I want to. And as a DJ, you're going to have to decide what you want to do when you go out to play. If you're going to play exactly what they're playing in the clubs and just follow that line, or if you want to go the other route and choose the flavor that is totally your flavor, you might get less gigs or you might have to build longer to find that own fan base, but that's all up to you.
I'm playing less here in the Netherlands because a lot of the music they play now is not what I'm really feeling. I can feel it to a certain degree, but not all the way. So I know a lot of the gigs that are available are probably not to my liking because I'm not going to play what I don't like. That costs me gigs. That's a fact. So that's a personal choice that everyone has to make. That's just it. And oh, one more thing, when it comes to the newer music, sonically, it is definitely different. And that is because over the years, all these new, uh, not just new producers, but just younger kids that started to make music weren't really knowledgeable. And you could tell that all they were interested in is making sure that it would sound loud. So when they have a track and they have a friend with a computer that can mix and master it, all they do is try to make it as loud as possible. And if you see those tracks, if you look at those wave files, you see those totally compressed tracks that are the wave file just looks like one block. So the dynamics that you had in the older music are gone. So these older tracks might sound less loud, but because it's you have so much room in the dynamics still, you can pump it up way louder and still have a clear sound. Well, with that, a lot of that new stuff, if you pump it up, everything will start to distort at a certain level. But uh, yeah, that that is a difference alongside with a lot of the tempos that are being used now. They're different, but that changes every couple of years. In a couple of years, the sound is going to be different again. You can't stop that. All right, that's it for episode 33 of Share the Knowledge. I'll be back next week. You can check me out on iTunes, Anchor, and SoundCloud, and some of the video footage will be available on DJTLM TV on YouTube. Now, if you have any questions, you can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, wherever it is that you want to go check me out. The handle is at DJTLM, but you can also send me an email, DJTLMTV at DJTLM.com, or just leave a comment right here wherever you're listening to the podcast or watching the video. All right, I'll be back next week. Peace.